For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm not John Robson, even if I look like it. At least I might not be, to anyone who's also willing to believe that thing in federal conservative leader Aaron O'Toole's long-awaited climate plan is not a carbon tax, indeed, quote, not a tax at all, end quote, or that it is conservative. Or that it's workable, including declaring that, quote, we will fight climate change, end quote, but without having the carbon price go past a feeble $50 a ton. Another pledge that appears to be, well, you know, firm, but flexible. O'Toole is predictably being praised by the usual suspects, the commentariat who think the key to modern conservatism is to ditch the conservatism, lunge for the brass ring, and miss. But the plan has the worst of all possible worlds, from breaking his no-carbon tax pledge, to combining carbon taxes with Baroque regulations, to being full of expensive plans to pick winners, to being timid, including a mandate for, quote, 30% of light-duty vehicles sold to be zero emissions by 2030, end quote, by which point we're already meant to have met our Paris climate commitment by cutting emissions 30% from 2005 levels. And it's even harder to justify the scheme whereby every time we buy fuel, we get credits in a, quote, personal low-carbon savings account, end quote, and then Canadians can, quote, apply the money in their account toward things that help them live a greener life, end quote, like buying another bicycle or a new efficient furnace. Unless you already have enough of either. As the Toronto Star editorial board rightly noted, quote, if a left-wing party had come up with the climate change plan that Aaron O'Toole put forward last week, conservatives would laugh it out of the room, end quote. And as CBC pundit Andrew Coyne quickly said, quote, you can already see the liberals polishing their attack lines on this. The more you burn, the more you earn, end quote. At least the Tory plan also favors nuclear energy. But you know what happens when you try to have your cake and eat it too? Well, if you don't, ask Aaron O'Toole. Meanwhile, both Justin Trudeau and the Business Council of Canada, from different sides, are heaping fuel on the fire. The Liberals are about to set even more ambitious targets, instead of figuring out how to meet their existing ambitious ones. And the BCC says, uh, guys, quote, few Canadians understand the scale of change that will be required, end quote. Well, maybe that's because everyone keeps telling them it will be easy, with taxes that won't tax you, and a green economy that will make us all even richer for even less effort. Weber, meet road. Because from Australia, we hear the latest and most devastating news yet about climate. No, not tidal waves, the moon going dark, or a beast with seven heads and ten horns. By the way, does that make 70 horns total, or is it 1.4 per head? But I digress. Uh, it's also not about giant jellyfish, stray cats, or kidney stones, all predicted effects of climate change. We're talking smaller strawberries. What's next? Bitter sugar? Sour cream? Or just some absurd hype about how plants hate warmth and plant food? Now there's an unpalatable dish. Oh well, maybe they can grow bigger strawberries in the floating vegetable gardens of Bangladesh, which are apparently a recent adaptation to climate change that people there have been doing for centuries because, um, they live in the low-lying delta of three massive rivers, the Ganges, the Brahmaputra, and the Meghna, and they get monsoons. As that study notes, quote, around a quarter part of Bangladesh is flooded for several months a year, affecting agriculture in particular, end quote. What isn't affected by being flooded? School? Your house? 
Anyway, blah, blah, extreme weather, blah, blah, blah. Oh, and another study says we can have planet-saving floating solar farms, provided, I guess, they don't collide with those Bangladeshi hyacinth mats. Now, for a nice change in the newsletter, we also note that in the Wall Street Journal, Holman W. Jenkins Jr. offers some good news, specifically that a number of climate scientists and others are getting fed up with the RCP 8.5 catastrophe scenario that we have repeatedly debunked and with catastrophe scenarios generally. And they include Stephen Coonan, a PhD in theoretical physics from MIT and former senior Obama Energy Department official, who denies President Biden's claims that climate change presents a, quote, existential threat, end quote. And in his forthcoming book, Unsettled, What Climate Science Tells Us, What It Doesn't, and Why It Matters, punctures climate change myths from flooding to hurricanes to economic catastrophe. And it will be interesting to see how the alarmists try to deal with him. Will it be scorn, silence, or scornful silence? Now, back to our regularly scheduled nonsense, and in fact to Australia, because we also talk about the Australia's Climate Council saying, ah, we're all gonna, etc., and demanding that Canberra cut emissions by 75% from 2005 levels by 2030 and hit net zero by 2035, which is just 14 years away, and naturally prompted one, quote, prominent Australian climate scientist, end quote, to object that this target isn't nearly ambitious enough. Well, sure, let's do it by next Tuesday, and I mean morning. This week's newsletter also introduces a new feature called Dare You to Post It on Facebook. You see, since Facebook is setting up a large fact-checking unit to, quote, combat misinformation about climate change, for instance, we imagine things like there's a debate over climate change, we're offering you some denialist propaganda above the fold and inviting, or daring, you to post it on Facebook and see how quickly it gets you censored. But we also offer you, below the fold, the actual scientific source so that you can send that to Facebook and try to get pardoned. And this week's inaugural dare, quote, I keep hearing people say climate change is causing more flooding, but it's nonsense. Where? When? There's no evidence flooding is any worse now in Canada or the United States than it was 100 years ago, end quote. Banned yet? Then tell them it's from the IPCC's own 2012 special report on extreme weather, which reported on page 176, quote, in the United States and Canada during the 20th century and in the early 21st century, there is no compelling evidence for climate-driven changes in the magnitude or frequency of floods, end quote. If you really want to annoy them, you could also mention, courtesy of CO2Science.org, that disastrous climate predictions by computers programmed to predict climate disaster say warming will cause soil organic carbon to deorganic or something pouring CO2 into the air in yet another of those lethal positive feedback loops that those computer models love. But a look at the last third of a century, and yes, once again Australia, specifically Queensland, reveals that the greening of the planet is not secretly a browning here either. So once again, the computer is screen planted. And CO2Science.org also provides to us an Iranian study of sorghum, which is one of the newer C4 plants that evolved to cope with historically low atmospheric CO2 levels, one of the few major crops that is a C4, by the way, along with corn. And that study found that, in fact, sorghum handles drought better if there's more CO2. At some point, these results will stop surprising people, right? as will the disastrous implosion of various cunning plans to rally around the white flag on climate like Aaron O'Toole's. Until then, 
for the Climate Discussion Nexus. I really am John Robson, and you really should subscribe and send us money.